This is a passage that I shared um, for the first time this morning in one of the prisons I was in. And I'm going to try and give it to you pretty much how I gave it to them. So the kind of illustrations that I will bring will be more prison-focused, just so you can see how I try to apply the Scriptures. But in so doing, please don't sort of shovel it over your shoulders. Allow it to land in your own hearts as well. So, Father, just open this word to us. We need your word to speak into our lives. Amen. So, Jeremiah chapter 18, from verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the shepherd's hand, sorry, the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the day in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare, <coughs> excuse me, concerning a nation or a kingdom, that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. For they say, That is in vain. We will follow our own plans. And will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his own heart? Well, this is a very powerful portion of God's word, isn't it? And even though Jeremiah is very specific here, the whole counsel of God declares that he is the God of the second chance. Third chance? Fourth chance? Anybody here experienced the God of the second chance? Just one or two. The rest of you are telling fibs. <laughs> All right. Adam and Eve. Was he the God of second chance to them? Of course he was. Abraham and Sarah. We could talk about how God moved wonderfully through that couple. But it took Abraham ten whole chapters, 40 years odd, before he began to obey the Lord more immediately. What about David? My dad named me after David in the Bible. I think he read all the good bits about um, Goliath, and I'm not sure he's so focused on the other bits. 
But it was my dad who led me to Christ, by the way. But David broke half of the Ten Commandments in one foul swoop. You know the passage. 2 Samuel chapter 11, when he fell into adultery and he even had a man murdered so he could marry his wife. What about David's worst son, Manasseh? Did he know the God of the second chance? Yes, he did. Not long before he died, he repented and he looked to the Lord. And the Lord restored him in the most glorious way. Go into the New Testament, the thief on the cross. You could look at the uh, lives of Peter, Paul, Barnabas and others to see the God of the second chance. How many times is the Ten Commandments given? Why? Because he's the God of the second chance. Amen? All right. And there are loads of scriptures that speak about the God who comes to sinners. What about that verse that is so often abused? The Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Can anybody quote it for me? Come on. What does it say? For I know I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That portion of scripture especially when you see it in the context, is absolutely mind-blowing. Why is it mind-blowing? Well, because they'd blown it. They were sinners. They had just gone away from the Lord. And he's saying to them, the God of the second chance is saying to them, look, I've got a plan for you and it's a good plan. Now look, I don't know where you're at this evening. I don't know where you are in your hearts. I don't know if you're harbouring some regret. Oh, God, why did I do that? Do you know, the biggest regrets in my life are not the things that have happened to me, but the things I've caused to happen to me. Anybody have regrets in that? You don't have to show a hand on that one. But do you, anybody here have regrets in that one? You did this and this followed. And now you think that you're under that curse forever and a day. Well, let's go down into the potter's house, shall we? So what happens? The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. He's told by God to arise and go down to the potter's house. And there you will hear my words. First, my friends, is this. Is God speaking to you? And you're not going to know part B because you're not going to be obedient in part A. Is it that God is directing you in a particular area And Jeremiah the prophet, of course, he's about to encourage them through what he's about to see. But what if Jeremiah didn't obey and he didn't go down to see the potter? It wouldn't have been revealed to him, would it? And we wouldn't have had this. There's something about observation in the Bible. I say to the men, do you look at the ant? on your cell floor. Have you ever learned a lesson from an ant? Where would you go for that? Oh, Proverbs 24. (laughs) 
Have you ever looked at the birds in the air? Do you know the birds actually come into the prison and walk on the landing sometimes? I'm so blessed by it. So blessed by it. Have you considered the birds of the air? Have you considered the lilies of the field? You see, my Bible says that in those observations, I can see God at work. Jeremiah goes down to see the potter at work. And as he begins to look, and as he begins to observe, he begins to see something about this potter. And there he was, working at his wheel. Do you know what the wheel was in the potter's thing? Do you know what that was? He had this wheel that would spin round. He'd put the clay in the middle, and then he would fashion it with his hands. That's what he would do. So he's got this wheel, and he's working. And he went down, he's looking at this, he sees him working, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. What do you do at that point? Chuck it away and buy a new one. Not here. God has got no intention of chucking you away. Thank God he's got no intention of chucking me away. He's going to put me back on the potter's wheel. Probably make me all wet again (laughs) so that he can mould the clay. And he's going to work and fashion and create a new vessel. Friends, if you've repented, if you've turned from your sin, if you've asked Jesus Christ into your life, and you've become that new creation, it's time to stop your regretting, to start looking over your shoulder, time to forget what lies behind, but to press on for what is ahead. And to look at what God is doing now in your life. I had a WhatsApp saying, um, oh, do you know, I just think I sought God enough on this and that and the other in the past. I said, yeah, you're probably right. But listen, right now, you have to live in the present. Not the past. Even God doesn't change the past. Live in the present. Then the word of the Lord came to your house of Israel. Oh, sorry. Um, And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. God is working in you what is good in his sight, what is pleasing to him. Ah, but David, if you knew what I did, Pastor, if you knew the direction I went in, if you knew how stubbornly I resisted. I don't, but God does. And if you will, but place yourself on that wheel. And you say, but doesn't the potter do that? Yes, he does. From the beginning to the end is God's work. But as you read on in the passage, as we did, you'll see that God is looking for a response. So even though it's all about him and what he does, and if you're not convinced of that, read Psalm 23. It's all about him, it's all about his namesake, and it's about what he's doing. But he is going to take you and refashion the pot. If you've messed it up. 
Will you trust him to do that? Will you say with me, as it seemed good to the potter to do, I agree with. Then the word of the Lord came to your house of Israel. Can I not do with you as this potter has done? See the picture in your mind's eye. See God fashioning that pot. And I tell you, when he is finished, that pot will be so wonderful that you'll even forget what the first pot was all about. It'll be so perfect, you will be thinking, listen, I had to go through that to get to this. Now we can never excuse sin, don't get me wrong. And we can never excuse things that... Some of the men in the prisons, they say to me, do you know, I believe God wants me to commit that crime. I said, why would you say that? Because of the good that's come from it. And I say to them, my dear brother, my dear sister, that is because of God's grace. That's why good has come of it. But never think the thing evil done is an excuse for the good that God brings. But such is God's wonder and such is God's work that he brings you to a place where you think, this is even better than what I first thought. And I honestly believe that God wants every single person here today, tonight, to know that. If you fouled up, and who hasn't? If you fouled up, God will put you back on that wheel. He'll spin that wheel and he will refashion it. Now as the thumbs go in, you're going to feel it. As he presses to get the shape right, you're going to feel it. What does it say in Hebrews about the discipline of God? Never pleasant at the time, but a proof you're not illegitimate children, but children of God. Amen. Well, the clay's response, and as you read on through verses 4 to 8, it's like Israel. Would they choose to? Wouldn't they? And so many of the men I'm working with in vain say, we still want to follow our own plans. The number who are returned to jail within a month or three why? Oh, pastor, you know, I just had to try and make up for lost time. Just had to do this, this one deal. Usually drugs. I said, weren't you convinced of the God who loves you? Weren't you convinced of the plan he had for you and has for you? My friends, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And when I do, we'll be quiet and allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. But I want you to ask yourself a very real question. Maybe you're Christianized tonight and maybe you haven't quite come to know the Lord. And maybe there's one thing that's holding you back. And you're saying, I can't let go of that one thing. It's become your God. It's become your vanity. It's become your other plan. 
I want you to submit that to the Lord and to ask him for help and to plead with him to remake the vessel. I'm aware of time. Let's, let's just come together and, and spend a few moments in prayer. Let me lead us in prayer because this is a God of enduring grace. This is a God of unchanging character. This is a God who works despite our failures. A God who remains constant, offering us second chances time and time again. Father, I believe with all my heart that you want to make us vessels of honour, fit for your purpose, that we might reflect your glory, that by embracing redemption, our hope will be found in you. And Father, I know tonight, not through some cleverness, but just through the state of our own hearts, that there will be some tonight who are holding to another God, some other hope, some other aspiration. And in essence, they're saying, I will follow you, Lord, but first. Please, Lord, identify the buts in our lives. Show us that as you, the divine craftsman, is at work and you are calling us to death on a cross and we are resisting. Allow us to deny ourselves, take up the cross, die to self, that true life may come forth. Help us to yield to the shepherd's hands. Help us not to flinch as he presses his thumbs in, as it were. And lead us, Father, to a spiritual maturity. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.